Let's pray. Lord, we pray for truth in our inward being. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would wake us up to see ourselves in truth, to know you in truth, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father God, we praise you for this opportunity tonight to come before you in worship and in your word, and we praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Sin. It is a foul, filthy, and disgusting thing. Scripture likens it to fecal matter and vomit. Sin is a stench that separates us from God. Isaiah 59.2, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Sin drags mankind down to eternal death as we chase after it. We seek it out. We want it. We are so saturated with it, we don't begin to see or smell it for what it is. Like an animal in the wild, we don't get our own odor. We don't notice it. We are not repulsed by our sin in the same way that God is repulsed by our sin. He who is perfect in all of his ways, pure and holy, who cannot, according to Habakkuk 1.13, he cannot even set his eyes on evil. That's how repulsive it is to him. We can't begin to understand or imagine the, the vile wretchedness of our sin before God. The eternal and infinite depth of our offense and guilt. We are so immersed in our filth that we've gone nose blind. Sin is like a fire. It's a fire that sears our hearts and our conscience, hardening them so that it's, it's, the next temptation is even easier to fall into. We're born in it. It is our native tongue. We just speak it like it flows out of our mouths. And, and it runs so deeply in our flesh that even the heart that has been made new in Jesus Christ continues to have to wrestle with the sin. Hebrews 10.14 For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. We love to focus on the first part of that verse. We love to praise God and say I have been made perfect in Christ. Amen? It is true, isn't it? If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior your sins are forgiven past, present, and future. All of them. There's not one he didn't know about. You are no longer have to bear the weight of the offense and the guilt. It was paid for at the cross of Christ. But that does not mean that we can no longer grieve the Holy Spirit of God and hurt the heart of God. As Scripture calls the believer to not grieve, the Holy Spirit. This was not written to non-believers. This was written to believers in Ephesus. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 
for the most part, we like to think we're doing pretty good in our walk with Christ. Like King David, our kingdom is blessed, isn't it? For the most part, we have to deal with first world problems. Where did I leave my phone? Right? That was me this afternoon. I thought I had lost it. King David, he was a man of whom God himself said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. That's King David. He had God's own spirit upon him. When he was anointed by Samuel and that spirit rushed upon him, David has spirit on him the same way in, in which we have God's spirit within us, don't we? We are adopted into the family of God, aren't we? David was hand-selected by God to be king. That's special, isn't it? David was selected as king, and we were selected, as, according to Ephesians, we were selected, we were chosen before the foundations of the earth. Let that be an encouragement to you. And then he saw her. He saw her and he wanted her. And he took her. And he murdered her husband. And he tried to hide it and forget it. His heart was seared by the fire of sin. And what we need to understand tonight is that we are all like David. He is given to us in Scripture as an example of ourselves. And if we are not careful to walk according to God's word, our own hearts will be seared and hardened by our sin. So, in this process of sanctification, as we continue to deal with the temptation, the bodies of flesh, if a man, after God's own heart, King David, if he could fail, how are we to engage such an enemy? What are we to do when sin rears its ugly head? We engage the sin in our lives the same way David did, with confession and repentance. Confession and repentance. Our walk with Christ begins here. As we confess our sinful condition and repent before a holy God, receiving Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, and our ongoing sanctification resides in confession and repentance. It needs to be an aspect of our everyday Christian lives as we continue to recognize our sin before God for what it really is, and we turn away from it and toward our Savior. We all sin and find ourselves failing in the flesh, don't we? It doesn't take long to think about it and realize that that's true. But the one who loves God will practice confession. The one who loves Jesus will practice confession as David did in Psalm 51. As God calls us to confess our sins one to another. In the book of James. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Psalm 51. We're going to hear just what David had to say to God. Psalm 51. Let's stand up for the reading of God's word. 
Starting with the introduction there, it says, To the choir master, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone in to Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise, for you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion, in your good pleasure build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. The reading of God's word, go ahead and be seated, thank you. If sin is a fire that, that sears our hearts and hardens us towards sin, then confession is like water that douses the flames and softens the heart to receive the mind of God, awakening the soul to walk with Christ. Confession reminds us of who God is. As David begins his confession here in Psalm 51, he starts by fixing his eyes on God and understanding his utter dependence upon God for forgiveness. Verses 1 and 2, it says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. God is the one before whom we are ultimately responsible for our actions. Verse 4 says, Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. He is the one from whom we must seek mercy. And he is the one who is merciful, who is steadfast in his love for us, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
He is merciful in his patience with mankind, giving us all the opportunity to come before him. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And he is kind in the richness and the abundance of his grace. He is the one who can and does wash us clean from our sin before him through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved. We have all sinned and fallen short of God's perfect glory. Our righteous works are as filthy rags before his purity and holiness. And we would not and could not come before him apart from his grace toward us. As we confess our sins before God, let us fix our eyes on who he is in his mercy, in his steadfast love, his grace, grace, his his patience, his holiness and his purity, all these things that God is. As you come before him and you confess what he brings to your mind by the Spirit of God, get your eyes fixed upon. Make a list of all the wondrous and great things that God is. It'll help you to recognize, it'll help all of us to recognize just who he is and just where our sin is before him. At the same time, acknowledging our dependence upon him, as David does, for forgiveness. Confession brings us to the point of recognizing our culpability for, and the depth of, in in as much as it is possible for us, the wretchedness of our sin before God. Verses 3 through 6, David says, For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. God desires that we would see ourselves in truth before him. You delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. That's verse 6. He wants us to, to look at ourselves through the lens of his word and, the con- and, and to listen to the conviction of his spirit who lives within us to understand that my sin is no one's fault but my own. The things that I have done wrong before God is no one's fault but my own. We cannot blame someone else for the wretched, vile, terrible things we do before God. The poor choices, the moral failings. It is no one's fault but our own that we choose to replace God on the throne of our hearts. It's no one's fault but our own that we lie, cheat, steal, that we dishonor our parents, that we lust, hate, or covet, or some supposedly lesser form of one of those. Whatever your sin is, we need to look no further than ourselves as its source. Look at it for what it is. 
see it for what it is. Because we won't confess it. We won't honestly bring it before God and lay it at his feet and see it for what it is if we see it as someone else's fault. If we don't see it for what it is. Mine. David. Understanding, seeing the the justice and the blamelessness of God. Sees his sin as ever-present in his life. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. It's something to be constantly dealt with. He was born into it when it says that his mother conceived him in sin. It wasn't that his mother did something wrong, but we are all born with a sinful nature. It's in us. It lives in his flesh just as it does our own. In Christ, though, we have been set free. We no longer must be enslaved to sin. It is no longer our lot in life. But we are still in these fallen bodies of flesh and temptation. And we are still in that sanctification process, aren't we? And so God calls us to recognize our responsibility for our own sin. To see it for what it is and confess it before him. Because the confessing heart is ready to receive the discipline of the Lord. Ready to receive the discipline of the Lord and allow it to change them, to conform them into the image of Christ. Verses 7 through 12. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. God disciplines those he loves. David uses the word purge me, cleanse me, wash me, make me whiter than snow. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. God disciplines those he loves. Hebrews 12, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Have you ever had discipline that feels good? If it felt good, it wasn't discipline, right? Discipline always hurts a little bit, doesn't it? Sometimes we need a good purging. We, we need a, a, something to hurt a bit. We, we need a good scrub. Sometimes the pain comes through reaping what we've sown, garnering the consequences of our actions. Sometimes the pain of healing comes in confession itself. It hurts to confess our wrongs, doesn't it? To admit we've crossed the line and transgressed the goodness and righteousness of God. It hurts to let our hearts be broken before him. But if we want to avoid the hardening fire that is sin, we must break the glass first. Have you ever seen those things? In case of fire, break glass. If you want to get rid of the fire, you have to break the glass so that we can put it out and be made useful. The confessing heart that is willing to receive the discipline of God and learn from it is made able to serve God. Verses 13 to 15. Then I will teach 
transgressors your ways. After his heart has been made new, after he has received the discipline of God and allowed it to change him, and he has created in David a clean heart and renewed a right spirit within him, then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. If we are going to truly worship, we need to be able to come honestly before God. And if we are going to be able to honestly speak the truth of Christ into the lives of those around us, we need to be those who are willing to confess before God and before others. The sins of our past can actually become gospel tools as they connect us with the present reality of those who still need Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. As we help them to more fully comprehend the love of God for them in Christ while they are still sinners, just as he loved us where we once were. The previous life of a drug addict saved by grace Repentant and turned from that life can help someone else who deals with the same sin and temptation that they might receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. The ongoing struggle that we deal with personally humbles us and allows us to humbly speak truth and relate to those who continue to struggle with their own temptations and sin. We should be able to speak openly to one another within the church body we should be able to confess our sins freely without fear because each of us knows and understands that none of us are without sin. None of us. There's no one here who can condemn you. The only one who can do that is God, and he sent his son to die for you. But hidden sin, unconfessed sin, it hinders our testimony as it bears the weight of hypocrisy. We don't feel like we can honestly help someone else confront the sin in their lives when we haven't dealt with it ourselves. How can we tell so-and-so to avoid an affair when we're in one ourselves? How can I speak against drunkenness when we're still living there? Whatever it might be. We won't be able to condemn with any amount of conviction the sin that we still walk in ourselves. The unconfessed sin, the sin that, uh, the hidden sins of our hearts. But the heart broken before God, the one that confesses and has nothing to hide, it, it casts off the mantle of hypocrisy and is enabled to proclaim the truths of Christ with transparency. The, the heart that is willing to confess the sin, if somebody would dare to say, you've got an affair going on in your life. No, I've repented of that sin. I've confessed it to my spouse and my church family and my God. And yeah, it was true. That's where I was. But God sent his son to die for me, even me. 
confessing heart, the broken heart before God, the one that confesses and has nothing to hide, is enabled to proclaim truths of Christ with transparency, made able to serve God, and understands that it is not our works that please him or earns us the cleansing of our sin. Verses 16 and 17, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. Sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God. You will not despise. All the works and sacrifices in the world throughout eternity, if if the world had that long, would never make us right before God. Because even our goodness is laced with our sinfulness. Even our righteous works are as filthy rags. The only means of forgiveness, the only way to abide with him and in him is to pay the wages of our sin. The problem with that being that it would take an eternity separated from God to pay off an eternal sin debt to an eternal God. But God... God has provided the perfect sacrifice in our place through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he's called it a free gift, Romans 5, 15 to 17. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Or as this month's memory verse says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Our eyes open to him by his Holy Spirit. All we do is bring a broken and contrite heart before him. This he will not despise. In all reality, we really do nothing. Our works will never be able to make us right before God. There is nothing we could ever do to add to or make the sacrifice of Jesus Christ any more rich, any more gracious, merciful, and perfect than it already is. We do nothing because he's already done it for us. But God does delight in our lives lived for him as he regenerates and rebuilds us in Christ Jesus. Verses 18 and 19, he says, Do good to Zion in your good pleasure and build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. He delights in his children as we present ourselves as living sacrifices to him, tools in his hands, instruments in the Redeemer's hand as we bear fruit for him from our lives 
and minds transformed by grace through faith, from hearts broken before him in confession and repentance, hearts that recognize our sinful condition before a holy and blameless and just God, hearts that see our dependence upon him for mercy and grace found in Christ alone, Hearts that are willing to be changed and affected by his discipline, conformed to the image of his son, that we might bear the fruit of a walk with him, a life lived in grace and confession. You know, we tend to spend a lot of time in prayer, in prayer for our needs and, and desires for ourselves, for our loved ones, the people we know. We want God to do a lot of things for us, don't we? When's the last time we spent time before God in confession? Acknowledging who he is, fixing our eyes on who he is, and recognizing our sin for where it puts us before him. And, and then recognizing the grace in Christ that brings us together. Do you want forgiveness? Practice confession before God. Do you want to walk in the freedom and effectiveness that transparency provides? Practice confession before God and before others. Let's pray. Lord God, we praise you for how you worked in David's life how greatly, how steadfastly you loved him. When he sinned before you and he confessed that sin, you restored him. We praise you, Father, that you do the same thing for us in your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we would be a people of confession, that we would be a people who are willing to be humble before our God and one another. Make us new, make us different, renew a right spirit within us, create in us a clean heart, O oh God. Help us to be very much like David. We praise you, Lord, for your steadfast love and mercy. We praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.